Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and today reading from a sermon once preached by Charles Spurgeon. This message is from a collection of Spurgeon messages. It's created by Perry Boardman. It was known as Spurgeon's Gems. Today's message is from Volume 1. It's number 51. It's entitled Comfort for the Desponding. His text is in Job 29, verse 2. Oh, that I were as in months past. For the most part, the gracious shepherd leads his people beside the still waters and makes them to lie down in green pastures. But at times they wander through a wilderness where there is no water and they find no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their souls faint within them and they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Though many of his people live in almost constant joy and find that religion's ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace, yet there are many who pass through fire and through water. Men do ride over their heads. They endure all manner of trouble and sorrow. The duty of the minister is to preach to different characters. Sometimes we admonish the confident lest they should become presumptuous. Uh, oftentimes we stir up the slumbering, lest they should sleep the sleep of death. Frequently we comfort the desponding, and this is our duty this morning, or if not to comfort them, yet to give them some exhortation, which may, by God's help, be the means of bringing them out of the sad condition into which they have fallen, so that they may not be obliged to cry out forever, Oh, that I were as in months past. At once to the subject, a complaint, its cause and cure, and then close up with an exhortation to stir up your pure minds, if you are in such a position. First, there is a complaint. How many a Christian looks on the past with pleasure, and on the future with dread, and on the present with sorrow? There are many who look back upon the days that they have passed in the fear of the Lord as being the sweetest and the best they have ever had. But as to the present, it is clad in a sable garb of gloom and dreariness. They could wish for their young days over again that they might live near to Jesus, for now they feel that they have wandered from him, or that he has hidden his face from them, and they cry out, Oh, that I were as in months past. Well, let us take distinct cases one by one. The first is the case of a man who has lost the brightness of his evidences and is crying out, Oh, that I were as in months past. Hear his soliloquy. Oh, that my past days could be recalled. Then I, I had no doubt of my salvation. If any man had asked for the reason of the hope that was in me, I could have answered with meekness and with fear. No doubt distressed me. No fear harassed me. I could say with Paul, I know whom I have believed. And with Job, I know that my Redeemer liveth. My steady soul did fear no more than solid rocks when billows roar. I felt myself to be standing on the rock, 
Jesus Christ. I said, let cares like a wild deluge come and storms of sorrow fall. Surely I shall safely reach my home, my God, my heaven, my all. Ah, but how changed it is now. Where there is no cloud before, it is all cloud now. Where I could read my title clear, I tremble to read my damnation quite as clearly. I hoped that I trusted in Christ, but now the dark thought rises up that I was a hypocrite and had deceived myself and others. The most I can attain to is, uh, methinks I will hope in him still. And if I may not be refreshed with the light of his countenance, still in the shadow of his wings will I trust. I feel that if I depart from him, there is no other Savior. But oh, what thick darkness surrounds me. Like Paul of old, there have been days and nights wherein neither sun nor moon nor stars have appeared. I have lost my role in the arbor of ease. I cannot now take it out of my breast and read it to console me on my journey. But I fear that when I get to the end of the way, they will deny me entrance, because I came not in by the door to receive his grace and know his love. But I have been deceived, have taken carnal fancies for the workings of the Spirit, have imputed what was but natural conviction to the work of the Holy Ghost of God. This is one phase. It's a very common one. You'll meet many who are crying out like that, Oh, that I were as in months past. But another phase of this great complaint, which it also very frequently assumes, is one under which we are lamenting. Not so much because our evidences are withered, as because we do not enjoy a perpetual peace of mind as to other matters. Oh, says one, oh, that I were as in months past. <clears throat> For then, whatever troubles and trials came upon me were less than nothing. I had learned to sing, Father, I wait thy daily will. Thou shalt divide my portion still. Give me on earth what seems thee best, till death and heaven reveal the rest. I felt that that I could give up everything for him, that if he had taken away every mercy, I could have said, Yea, if thou take them all away, yet will I not repine. Before they were possessed by me, they were entirely thine. I knew no fear for the future. Like a child on its mother's breast, I slept securely. I said, Jehovah Jireh, my God, will provide. I put my business into his hands. I went to my daily labor like the little bird that wakes up in the morning and knows not where its breakfast is to come from, but sits on the branch singing, Mortal, cease from toil and sorrow. God provideth for the morrow. Oh, I could have trusted him with my very life, with wife, with children, with everything. I could give all into his hands and say each morning, Lord, I have not a will of my own. Or if I have one, still, thy will be done. Your wish shall be my wish. Your desire shall be my desire. But oh, that I were as in months past. 
How changed am I now? I begin fretting about my business, and if I lose now but a five-pound note, I'm I'm worried incessantly, whereas if it were a thousand before, I could have thanked the God who took it away as easily as I could the God that gave it to me. How the least thing disturbs me, the least shadow of a doubt as to some calamity that may befall me rests on my soul like a thick cloud. I am perpetually self-willed, desiring always to have just what I wish. I cannot say I can resign all into his hands. There is a certain something I could not give up. Twined round my heart there is an evil plant called self-love. It has twisted its roots within the very nerves and sinews of my soul. There is something I love above my God. I cannot give up all now. But oh, that I were as in months past. For then my mercies were real mercies, because they were God's mercies. Oh, says he, that I were as in months past. I I should not have had to bear such trouble as I have now. For though the burden might have pressed heavily, I would have cast it on the Lord. Oh, that I knew the heavenly science of taking the burdens off my own shoulders and laying them on the rock that supports them all. Oh, if I knew how to pour out my griefs and sorrows as I once did. I have been a fool, an errant fool, a very fool that I should have run away from that sweet confidence I once had in the Savior. I used then to go to his ear and tell him all my griefs. My sorrows and my griefs I poured into the bosom of my God. He helped me in the trying hour. He helped me bear the heavy load. But now I foolishly carry them myself and bear them in my own breast. Ah, what Peaceful hours I then enjoyed. Would that they would return to me. Well, another individual perhaps is speaking thus concerning his enjoyment in the house of God and the means of grace. Oh, says another, in months past, when I went up to the house of God, how sweetly did I hear. Why, I sat with my ears open to catch the words as if it were an angel speaking. And when I listened, how at times did the tears come rolling down my cheeks, and how did my eyes flash when some brilliant utterance, full of joy to the Christian, aroused my soul. Oh, how did I awake on the Sabbath morning and sing, Welcome, sweet day of rest, that day the Lord arise, welcome to this reviving breast and these rejoicing eyes. And when they sang in the house of God, whose voice was so loud as mine? When I retired from worship, it was with a light tread. I went to tell my friends and my neighbors what glorious news I had heard in the sanctuary. Those were sweet Sabbaths. And when the prayer meetings came around, how was I found in my place? And the prayers were prayers indeed to my spirit. Whoever I heard preach, provided it was the gospel. How did my soul feed and fatten under it? For I sat at a very banquet of joy. When I read the scriptures, they were always illuminated, and the glory did gild the sacred page whene'er I turned it over. 
when I bent my knee in prayer. I could pour my soul out before God, and I loved the exercise. I felt that I could not be happy unless I spent my time upon my knees. I loved my God, and my God loved me. But oh, how changed now! Oh, that I were as in months past. I go up to God's house. It is the same voice that speaks, the same man I love so much still addresses me, but I have no tears to shed now. My heart has become hardened even under his ministry. I have few emotions of joy. I enter the house of God as a boy goes to school without much love to it, and I go away without having my soul stirred. When I kneel down in secret prayer, the wheels are taken off my chariot, and it drags very heavily. When I strive to sing, all I can say is, I would, but I cannot. Oh, that I were as in months past, when the candle of the Lord shone round about me. Well, I, I trust there are not many of you who can join in this, for I, I know you love to come up to the house of God. And I love to preach to a people who feel the word, who give signs of assent to it. Men and women who can afford a tear now and then in a sermon. People whose blood seems to boil within them when they hear the gospel. I don't think you understand much of the phase I am describing, but still you may understand a little of it. The word may not be quite as sweet and pleasant to you, as it used to be. And then you may cry out, Oh, that I were as in months past. But I will tell you one point which perhaps may escape you. There are some of us who lament extremely that our conscience is not as tender as it used to be. And therefore does our soul cry in bitterness, Oh, that I were as in months past. When I first knew the Lord, you say, I was almost afraid to put one foot before another, lest I should go astray. I always looked before I leaped. If there were a suspicion of sin about anything, I faithfully avoided it. If there were the slightest trace of the trail of the serpent on it, I turned from it at once. People called me a Puritan. I watched everything. I was afraid to speak, and some practices that were really allowable <clears throat> I utterly condemned. My conscience was so tender, I was like a sensitive plant. If touched by the hand of sin, my leaves curled up in a moment. I could not bear to be touched, I was so tender. I was all over wounds, and if anyone brushed against me, I cried out. I was afraid to do anything, lest I should sin against God. If I heard an oath, my bones shook within me. If I saw a man break the Sabbath, I trembled and was afraid. Wherever I went, the least whisper of sin startled me. It was like the voice of a demon when I heard a temptation. <clears throat> and I said with violence, Get thee behind me, Satan. I could not endure sin. I ran away from it as from a serpent. I could not taste a drop of it. But oh, that I were as in months past. It is true I have not forsaken his ways, I have not quite forgotten his law, it is true. I have not <clears throat> disgraced my character. 
I have not openly sinned before men, and none but God knows my sin. But oh, my conscience is not what it once was. Oh, it did thunder once, but it does not now. Oh, conscience, conscience, you are gone too much to sleep. I have drugged you. You are slumbering when you ought to be speaking. You are a watchman, but you do not tell the hours of the night as you once did. Oh, conscience, sometimes I heard your rattle in my ears, and it startled me. Now you sleep, and I go on to sin. It is but a little I have done. Still, that little shows the way. Straws tell which way the wind does blow, and I feel that my having committed one little sin evidences in what way my soul is inclined. Oh, that I had a tender conscience again. Oh, that I had not this rhinoceros conscience, which is covered over with tough hide, through which the bullets of the law cannot pierce. Oh, that I had a conscience such as I used to have. Oh, that I were as in months past. One more form of this sad condition. There are some of us, dearly beloved, who have not as much zeal for the glory of God and the salvation of men as we used to have. Months ago, if we saw a soul going to destruction, our eyes were filled with tears in a moment. If we did but see a man inclined to sin, we rushed before him with tears in our eyes and wished to sacrifice ourselves to save him. We could not walk the street, but we must be giving somebody a tract or reproving someone. We thought we must be forever speaking of the Lord Jesus. If there were any good to be done, we were always first and foremost in it. We desired by all means to save some. And we did think at that time that we could give up ourselves to death if we might but snatch a soul from hell. So deep, so ardent was our love to our fellow men that for the love we bore Christ's name, we would have been content to be scoffed at, hissed at, and persecuted by the whole world if we might have done any good in it. Our soul was burning with intense longing for souls and we considered all things else to be mean and worthless. But ah, now souls may be damned and there's not a tear. Sinners may sink into the scalding pit of hell, not a groan. Thousands may be swept away each day and sink into bottomless woe, and yet not an emotion. We can preach without tears. We can pray for them without our hearts. We can speak to them without feeling their necessities. We pass by the haunts of infamy. We wish the inmates better, and, and that is all. Even our compassion has died out. Once we stood near the brink of hell, and we thought each day that we heard the yellings and howlings of the doomed spirits ringing in our ears, and then we said, O oh God, help me to save my fellow men from going down to the pit, but now we forget it all. We have little love to men. We have not half the zeal and energy we once had. Oh, if that is your state, dearly beloved, 
if you can join in that as your poor minister, alas, can do in some measure, then may we well say, oh, that I were as in months past. But now we are about to take these different characters and tell you the cause and the cure. We can't do all of this today. We will just begin this section and then finish next time. Number one, one of the causes of this mournful state of things is defect in prayer. And of course the cure lies somewhere next door to the cause. You are saying, oh, that I were as in months past. Well, come, my brother, we're going into the very root of the matter. One reason why it is not with you as in months past is this. You do not pray as you once did. Nothing brings such leanness into a man's soul as lack of prayer. It is well said that a neglected closet is the birthplace of all evil. All good is born in the closet, the enclosed place where you pray. All good springs from it. There the Christian gets it. But if he neglects his closet, then all evil comes of it. No man can progress in grace if he forsakes his closet. I care not how strong he may be in faith. It is said that fat men may for a time live on the flesh they have acquired, but there is not a Christian so full of flesh that he can live on old grace. If he waxes fat, he kicks, but he cannot live upon his fat. Those who are strong and mighty in themselves cannot exist without prayer. If a man should have the spiritual might of fifty of God's choicest Christians in himself, he must die if he did not continue to pray. My brother, can you not look back and say, Three or four months ago, my prayers were more regular, more constant, more earnest than they are now. And now they are feeble. They are not sincere. They are not fervent. They are not earnest. Oh, brother, do not ask anybody what is the cause of your grief. It is as plain as possible. You need not ask a question about it. There is the cause. And where is the remedy? Why, more prayer, beloved. It was little prayer that brought you down. It is great prayer that will lift you up. It was lack of prayer that brought you into poverty. It must be increase of prayer that will bring you into riches again, spiritual riches. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. There is nothing for men to eat where there are no oxen to plow. And where there are no prayers to plow the soil, you have little to feed upon. We must be more earnest in prayer. O oh, beloved, might not the beam out of the wall cry against us? Our dusty closets might bear witness to our neglect of secret devotion. That is the reason why it is not with us, as in months past. My friends, if you were to compare the Christian to a steam engine, you must make his prayers, fed by the Holy Spirit, to be the very fire which sustains his motion. Prayer is God's chosen vehicle of grace, and he is unwise who neglects it. Let me be doubly serious on this matter, and let me give a home thrust to some. Dear friend, do you mean what you say, and do you believe what you say, that neglect of prayer will bring your soul into a most hazardous condition? 
If so, I will say no more to you, for you will easily guess the remedy for your lamentable cry, oh, that I were as in months past. A certain merchant wishes that he were as rich as he used to be. He is desirous to send his ships over to the gold country to bring him more cargoes of gold, but ne'er a ship has been out of port lately. Therefore can he wonder that he has no cargo of gold? And so when a man prays, he sends a ship to heaven, and he comes back laden with gold. But if he leaves off supplication, then his ship is weather-bound and stays at home, and no wonder he comes to be a poor man. Now we're going to stop right there. There are other causes, other reasons, other cures for this terrible malady that you find yourself in. And most, I won't say most because I don't know who I'm talking to. Many of us, I'm sure, are in this situation. Please come next time and finish this message with me. <clears throat> This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. This audio is being released on the 11th of April, 2023. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.